Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha, and this is Serialholic Sisters. True crime shit. Hey girl, hey. Hey. Mr. Face, I haven't seen you or talked to you forever. This week has been hectic, so everyone knows we have not released an episode this past week, and it is my fault. <laughs> this is entirely my fault. That's her bad, y'all. No. <laughs> no. Um, I had midterms this week. Um, like a lot been, of them. <laughs> yeah, because I decided to, you know, go crazy on the course load this this semester, and so all of them hit at once, and <laughs> it's been it's been fun. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, it was, it was, it was to be your, your story last week and you got so busy with the midterms and I didn't even think about it and didn't prepare a case. So oops. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know it was, uh, like I said, it was an unplanned. Well, I mean, it was planned. Obviously I knew midterms were coming up, (laughs) but just snuck up on you. You had no idea. You woke up and you were like, shit, I have midterms. I haven't studied (laughs) at all. (laughs) I mean, kind of, no, not really. I, I studied my ass off actually, um, for days and days and days. And, uh, so far the midterm grades I've received have been good. So I'm not complaining, but it has been very, very stressful like so stressful it gave me migraines during the week yeah she's only texting me just like yelling ridiculousness and that's it like not yelling at me just like yelling about midterms in general I'm like <laughs> just randomly screaming and I'm just like, like oh that is okay, all calm down <laughs> it is all good yeah I definitely um I, I know what I can take as a course load now and what I can't take. I mean, I, I can't say that I can't take it because I've been doing really well this entire semester, especially being an online school for myself. Yeah. Um, because my, my university is like two hours from me. <laughs> right. So um, it's been, I mean, I feel I've, I've handled it rather well. I just think that I have absolutely no life other than full-time work school and kids now because I took so much yeah um so maybe next next time take a few less classes I will be (laughs) (laughs) I've already started that um in fact my fall enrollment um for next semester is this week this coming week so So you're like so you're like I already know what I'm gonna be doing (laughs) (laughs) all right well I am gonna go ahead and do my case this week since it's officially my week in real life. (laughs) Even though though I'm totally behind on mine. It's fine. Crystal has graciously decided to do hers. I woke up this morning and I was like, I guess I'll do some notes. And so we got some fresh notes for you today. (laughs) (laughs) Last night night I texted you, I was like, I'm going to start my notes tonight. And 
I'll be done by tomorrow. And then this morning I texted you was like, I'm starting my notes now. <laughs> I know I got it this morning. I was, again, I suck at texting so bad. Um, especially today, today is my husband's birthday. HPD. Not, not that it matters because, you know, we're at the age where we're just like, please, please don't, <laughs> please right. don't grow any more older. <laughs> but right. no, um, yeah, with when you have kids and, and it's a parent's birthday, then everyone's like, oh, what are we going to do for dad? <laughs> and he's like, nothing. You're going to leave like, dad oh, alone. Let's go do this. <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> he's like, my birthday present is for you to leave me alone all day. <laughs> Instead, his birthday present was to drop a, a few hundred dollars on a Nintendo Switch. So, oh, okay. Well, because you know he plays video games so much now. No, <laughs> no, but that's what he wanted. So there. Whatever. All right. So I'm gonna get started. So I did remember I did the French Ripper last time. I remember. And I enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy it, but like I thought it was fun to do research on something that took place so long ago. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking I kind of wanted to stay kind of back in time this week um but I wasn't sure exactly what I did what I wanted to do so I asked my boo Dana I said boo what should I do <laughs> and she was like you should cover another case from way back in time <laughs> now um she was like and then you were like yeah but I was like needing what I should yeah, do <laughs> basically that was the conversation I was like yes I've, I've established that but who should I do exactly please help <laughs> so <laughs> she brought this guy up to me and I remembered that I'd thought about doing him like a while back and hadn't gotten around to it. And so I was like, oh, yes, let's do that. So thanks, Boo, for reminding me. Um, I'm going to cover the Axeman of New Orleans. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. So he was this a serial. Is a good one. This is a good, good one. job, Boo Dana. <laughs> right? Thanks, Boo. So <laughs> he was a serial killer that would kill six people and injure another six people from May of 1918 to October of 1919. And he mainly killed Italian Americans and Italian immigrants, leaving many to believe that these killings were like racially driven. Mm -hmm. So there's a few theories about the murder that I'll get into, but like, I'll do that like near the end of it. So I'm just gonna get into the case. So come on into my time machine. (laughs) Let's travel back in time to New Orleans, Louisiana. When you said that, come on in my time machine, all I could think of is, you know, that really stupid movie. If you say hot tub time time machine, I swear to God, (laughs) I dislike you. All I could think about is like, really? That's what we're going with? That's absolutely not what we're going with because (laughs) never when I think time machine, do I think of that? (laughs) I don't know why, but you're like, come on, get in my time machine. I'm like, Please don't. <laughs> I absolutely think of like Back to the Future before I think of that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be a little bit more. <laughs> but okay. So, <laughs> Much better movie. <laughs> Much better movie, Joey. <laughs> We're going to New Orleans, Louisiana, the night of May 23rd, 1918. So an Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio and his wife, Catherine, were sleeping in their apartment above the grocery store that they owned. Um, They were unaware that as they slept, someone was breaking into their house. So that's no good, no bueno. Um, Once inside the home, the uninvited guests snuck over to the couple's bed and proceeded to slit both of their throats with a straight razor, like straight up Sweeney Todd style. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So it said, this is bad. It said that he cut Catherine's throat so deeply that she was almost completely beheaded. Oh, with a straight razor? Uh-huh. Yeah. So after slitting the couple's throats, he then bludgeoned both of their heads with the blunt end of an, of an axe. Um, and it said that it's possible he did this so they couldn't discern, determine which act actually caused their deaths. Mm. But I think he just did it because he's like super fucked up. Like, I don't well, think he thought that much into it. <laughs> I think it's just because he's a psychopath. Psychotic, yes. (laughs) So, um, Joseph's brother, Andrew, lived in an adjoining apartment. And about two hours after the attack, Andrew heard some strange groaning sounds, like, through the wall in his house, like, leading towards his brother's house. And so, um, he went over to check on his brother and his sister-in-law. And when he entered the apartment, he found Catherine had been brutally murdered and his brother was still alive, but barely. So his brother, Joseph, died just minutes after Andrew found him. Which is so sad. It's so, so sad. Um, when authorities arrived, they found the bloody clothes that belonged to the murderer. So, like, apparently he had, like, just changed clothes after he killed them. Um, either into a pair of clothes that he brought with him or some of Joseph's clothes. And then he just, like, left the bloody ones behind so he wouldn't be just, like, walking down the street covered in blood when he left. He was like, don't be suspicious. <laughs> don't and, be suspicious. Don't right. be suspicious. So, um, police immediately ruled out robbery because, like, there was tons of, like, valuables and, like, money was left just sitting out in plain sight. Yeah. Nothing was taken. So, initially, they suspected Andrew, the brother, as the murderer. Um, they were like... So you heard your dying brother groaning through the walls. Then why didn't you hear like the break-in or the murders happening? Like, how did you hear that, but not hear that or whatever? So he was like, okay, yeah, that like looks bad. But um, you see, I recently joined the Navy and I spent last night celebrating that with some of my friends. So when I got home, I was like really super drunk and I just like passed out. Oh God. Yeah. So they were like, okay, well, that makes sense. That's like super unfortunate, but yeah, it makes sense. Um, You should know that after searching the premises, we found the bloody razor in a neighbor's yard. And it appears that this razor is from the barber shop that you own, Andrew. So like, why was your straight razor used to murder them? And he was like, yeah, okay, now that looks real bad. (laughs) I don't know what to do with that. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to need you guys to stop pointing it at me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm really going to need you to take a step back. Like, I know it looks bad. (laughs) But but like Shaggy said, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. me. Like, it wasn't me. (laughs) He's like, so yeah, I did take that razor home from the shop a few days ago because it had like a little nick in it and I wanted to sharpen it and like get the nick out um but that's that's all I know about that razor like that I didn't I didn't do this (laughs) um Andrew's employee Esteban Torres did confirm that yeah a couple days ago Andrew did take the razor home to like sharpen it or whatever um police searched the house and the surrounding area and they found a super strange message written in chalk near the couple's home it read Mrs. Joseph Maggio will sit up tonight just write Mrs. Tony. Like, it doesn't make any, everyone's like, what the fuck does that mean? That doesn't make any sense. So to this day, like, nobody knows what that means. It was just like a really weird, strange thing. Okay. Right? So Andrew was arrested 
for the murder of his brother and his sister-in-law um he was but he was later released after investigators realized that no matter how many times they questioned him he like wasn't changing his story he was like adamant like no this is what happened and they didn't have any evidence against him it was just all very coincidental and like super suspicious but like that was it um they would soon find out that it actually isn't that suspicious because the murderer would strike again several times and he would often use items from the victim's homes to kill them so that makes sense about the whole straight razor thing yeah so a little over a month later june 27th um, 1918 the axe man would strike again lewis besumer and harriet lowe lived in the back quarters of his grocery store so i don't know what this guy has against grocers but okay because the first one was a grocer too <laughs> or barbers or anybody else right <laughs> so it sure. sounds like it's just um he's targeting people that like live in the vicinity of businesses though it just happens to be their businesses every time <laughs> every time every time um and all the businesses are grocers grocery stores and they're all italian immigrants but okay um <laughs> not, that's not racist <laughs> right <laughs> not at all super racist um <laughs> so shortly after 7 a.m that morning john zanka a bakery delivery driver came by the store to drop off like a routine delivery and zanka found lewis and harriet both bleeding from their heads um lewis had been struck with a hatchet above his right temple resulting in a skull fracture and Harriet was hacked over her left ear and was unconscious when police arrived at the scene but they both were still alive so um the axe used in the attack was found in the bathroom and it actually belonged to Lewis like it was his own axe um almost immediately police arrested a different Lewis not the one that was attacked Lewis Obicon this was a 41 year old african-american who had just been hired at that grocery store the week before so they had no evidence against him at all other than the fact that um he when they questioned him he offered some conf conflicting stories about his whereabouts that morning but that was really it um at one point while harriet was in and out of consciousness she said she remembered being attacked by a mulatto man which is a term that was used back then to describe a person that was mixed with african-american and white european ancestry oh okay so they were like oh that must be him i guess oh okay right so he um Obicon also was, not racist right exactly there's Good a lot God. of this in this unfortunately <laughs> so um he was released soon after because like i said they had nothing just, on him sorry and just so everybody knows when i say not racist obviously i mean it's very it straight up sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> um so this case soon like they released him they had nothing to hold him on that was it with, like that was dropped with him yeah. and then the, the case soon became more known for all the scandals around it than the actual attack itself so after searching the house for any evidence they could find that may lead to the attacker police ended up finding a trunk full of letters written in german russian and yiddish so obviously police were like shit y'all lewis is a german spy because <laughs> <laughs> that's obvious he's got obviously letters. right so they spoke to harriet case dismissed <laughs> he is a german spy um they talked to harriet who was like she was still in the hospital from her attack um 
and she was still like very in and out of consciousness like not yeah. great um and she was like you know now that you mention it I do think he's probably a German spy <laughs> oh my god so they arrested him <laughs> just with that and then two days later he was released because that was ridiculous and two officers were actually demoted due to unacceptable police work after that oh well, that's good thank god <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Cool. well I'm gonna arrest you case dismissed because clearly this woman who can't even probably remember her name right <laughs> has found the murderer <laughs> right who was her boyfriend that she was living with um I know that I I live with him and I obviously love him but he's he's got to be a German spy <laughs> there was letters in a trunk <laughs> and I just don't understand how he beat himself up and almost killed himself <laughs> right he's got a freaking skull fracture <laughs> like <laughs> that's excessive <laughs> so, like liar liar all over again right? I'm kicking my own ass oh my god <laughs> uh all I think of with liar liar is that the pin is blue I know um <laughs> royal blue Jesus so um not long after he was released more scandal came out so it turned out that Harriet wasn't Lewis's wife. She was his mistress. And, oh. um, right, scandal. And that's why she was saying he was a spy. Right. She's like, he's, he he's probably a spy. He won't leave his wife. He's probably a spy. So apparently, um, Lewis and his actual wife were separated at the time. And she had, like, gone away to Cincinnati at some point. I don't know if she had family that she was staying with or what. Um but while she was gone, he and Harriet started living together in his grocery store. So <laughs> um, his wife actually came home from, from Cincinnati a few days after everything happened. And the media like went crazy over the story. They're like, so much scandal. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, Harriet was not helping because she was always talking to the media. And <laughs> <laughs> at one point, she... <laughs> you good <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm like it's literally like today except today it's like so much worse but back then they just didn't give a fuck who died <laughs> no they really didn't <laughs> they were like oh yeah no take him take him away he is I'll get his grocery high. store in return Jeez. so she at one point she told the newspapers that she disliked uh the New Orleans police chief and she no, she would no longer aid the police in their investigation because she thought that Chief Frank Mooney is the one who leaked the affair between her and Lewis to the press. So she's she's not helping them anymore. Um, a few weeks after the attack, she was discharged from the hospital, and then went back to the home that she and Lewis shared at the back of the grocery store. Like she was like, "Hey, it's cool. Let's still live together." Um, hey, I just had you arrested. I know, my I, bad. <laughs> I know I got you arrested. That was my bad. Partially almost killed. <laughs> no <big laughs> um, so the attack had left her with one side of her face paralyzed. And on August 5th, so like two months after the attack, she went in and had surgery in an effort to correct that side of her face. So the surgery did not go well, and she ended up dying two days later. <laughs> But just before she died, she was still causing problems because she told authorities that she suspected it actually was Lewis that attacked her with the hatchet. 
and like she was remembering and she she it was it was him and so he was arrested again and this time he was charged with murder because she died after the surgery um he ended up serving nine months in prison but he was acquitted on may 1st 1919 um and the jury only took 10 minutes to agree that he was innocent so he was released he was probably like i'm so glad that bitch is dead (laughs) (laughs) see see what happens when you have affairs see what happens when you have affairs karma yeah, that's what happens when you have affairs <laughs> i hope everyone's listening to that Don't be cheating. nothing good comes from it clearly nothing good so so authorities still have no leads on this mysterious murderer that's just like randomly showing up to grocers and killing them i don't know um august 3rd 1918 there was a third attack 28 year old anna schneider was discovered Late that night by her husband, Edward, who had just returned home from work, her scalp had been cut open and her face was completely covered in blood when he found her, like gruesome, gruesome thing. She was eight months pregnant at the time. I know. Oh, but she survived the attack. And two days later, she gave birth to a healthy baby girl who was fine. Right. (laughs) So go on with your bad self. (laughs) Damn, girl. Okay. So she told investigators um, that she was sleeping and awoke to a dark figure like looming over her, which hailed to the naw. Um, she was then bashed in the face repeatedly and didn't remember any other details. Like it just happened so fast. Like she had just woken up. She was like, what the hell is happening? And then bam. Um, police again immediately thought robbery, but again, nothing was stolen. Um, none of the windows or doors had seemed to have been forced open. So they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how, how is this happening? Um, and they came to the conclusion that she had most likely been attacked with a lamp that had been on a nearby table. So again, oh, he, he doesn't bring any weapons. So, so he just like finds stuff there. And What would he do if like <laughs> he went into somebody's house and like it was all, it was like a psych ward where everything's like padded walls. <laughs> He'd be fucking screwed. Whose house is like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. But yes, if he broke into a padded room, he would be screwed. He could, he could it's the <laughs> Listen, I had midterms. Okay. Hopefully, if he broke into a bathroom, uh, they would just like I, lock the door behind I him. No, I no longer think logically. Right. My brain's so tired. It's smushed. It's so, let's see. A man named James Gleason was arrested nearby Anna's house not long after she was discovered. So, he was an ex con and police were like searching the area around her house and when they started approaching him he like took off running and um they caught him and arrested him and he was re- he was later released because of the lack of evidence and that they had no evidence against him um and w- when they asked him why he ran when police like approached him he basically said it was a reflex because he'd been arrested so many times <laughs> um he's like fuck this <laughs> right he's like i'm not going back and just took off running <laughs> so you'll never catch me <laughs> and then they did um so at and this point police are now publicly speculating that all three of these attacks were related so they're like putting it out there and the people of new orleans are a little bit on edge because they're like what the fuck 
Um, just five days after the attack on Anna, another Italian grocer was attacked. So he lived with his, let's see, what was his name? His name was Romano, Joseph Romano. I was like, where, why didn't I write it right there? Joseph Romano. So he lived with his two nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno. Is it Joseph Romano? Did I make that up? <laughs> Don't listen to me. An Italian grocer who lived with his two nieces. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I did the notes today. It was a rush. No. <laughs> so they rushed over when they heard a commotion like from the room that their uncle stayed in. And so when they entered the room, they actually saw the attacker fleeing the scene and were able to, to describe him as a dark-skinned, heavy-set man in a suit with a hat that kind of slouched over to one side. A businessman, if you will. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently a businessman just like <laughs> be breaking up into everybody's houses. It is Joseph Romano because I now wrote, Romano had taken a bad blow to the head <laughs> that resulted in two large cuts, uh, but he was able to walk to the ambulance when the ambulance arrived. So you would think that was good, but unfortunately he did end up dying a couple of days later because of the severe head trauma that he had suffered. Um, the home had been ransacked, but just like before, nothing was stolen or missing. They did find a bloody axe that the attacker left in the backyard, and then they noticed something else kind of odd. So they finally found a possible point of entry. Do you, do you remember what this is? He did this. He did this a lot after after this one. So, I'll just tell you because you look blank. <laughs> he was. Um, they look at the back door. Oh wait, is this where he like? Okay, yeah, go ahead. So, they noticed that one of the panels in the door had been chiseled away. Which is so you when you're thinking of a door and you think of the like there's usually like four mm -hmm. little panels like thin rectangular little. So yes. some, somebody had sat there and like chiseled that whole panel off. And that's yeah. how, right. And isn't this like, didn't he do it when people like, this is why he breaks in when people are sleeping. Right. So, I mean, I would feel like he would have to be super patient to do that because like, how long would it take Heck to yeah, sit there and chisel a <laughs> panel out of a door? Like, I'm going to choose this house today. Okay, everybody's sleeping. It's it's midnight. Okay, here we go. Three <laughs> hours later. Fuck no. <laughs> also, I would like to think that if somebody was chiseling at my door, I would, I would hear, hear it. it. Right? <laughs> but okay. I mean, I'm a light sleeper. I feel like I would hear it. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll tell you, my dog definitely would hear it. <laughs> <laughs> right. My dog Seriously. would hear it and be like, the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and he'd go crazy. <laughs> Seriously. So let's see. So all like the residents in New Orleans, especially Italian immigrants were starting to live in like constant fear. Um, they were like, they started just walking around carrying loaded shotguns. They would like take turns, like they'd take shifts staying up all night. So it was like somebody was always watching the house. Um, and police started receiving lots of reports from citizens saying like they had seen the ax man lurking around neighborhoods or that their doors or windows had been tampered with. There were even several reports of people finding just like random axes placed by their back doors that weren't there before. I, rem I remember that specific yes. thing from these murders. Cause like it would start, that's why people were like freaking out so much more 
because they would just find a random axe from somebody else's like it wasn't in their sheds or anything right it was like a neighbor's axe from their yeah. shed like put can you imagine living in new york while this is uh, not new york new orleans while this is going on and like waking up and finding a fucking random axe at your oh, back door no, i moved <laughs> we ain't living in new orleans anymore <laughs> sorry baby we're, we're packing our bags today we gonna bounce <laughs> <laughs> bounce to be the same so <laughs> getting out <laughs> oh my god yeah no oh uh, let's see over the next several months everything seemed to be kind of like returning to normal so the last attack had been in august of 1918 and there had been no more attacks until March 10th of 1919. So he took a pretty long break. Um, and he struck in Gretna, which is a neighboring town of New Orleans. So Charles Quartamiglia, who was an Italian immigrant and grocer, living with his wife, Rosie. Good job pronouncing that. Thanks. I just kind of went with it. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> wrong. Um <laughs> Um, so he lived with his wife, Rosie, and their two-year-old daughter, Mary. Mm -hmm. So in the early morning hours, screams were heard coming from their house by 69-year-old neighbor, Lorlando Giordano. So when he arrived, he found Charles laying on the ground covered in blood. His wife, Rosie, was standing in the doorway with a severe head wound, and she was clutching the body of their deceased daughter, Mary. Yeah. So... The couple was rushed to the hospital, both with serious head injuries, and Charles was released two days later. Um, Rosie's was a little worse. She stayed in the hospital for a few weeks. Um, when she finally regained full consciousness, she told authorities that she had awoken to find her husband struggling with a very large man with an axe. And then when her husband fell to the ground, she said the attacker turned on her and her sleeping infant daughter and attacked them with the axe. So that was really all the details she gave. Um, while she was still in the hospital going in and out of consciousness, she was questioned several times by police about who the attacker was, because that's a good time to do that. Um, <laughs> I'll never understand why people do that. Right. After investigating the scene, it was found that, again, a panel had been chiseled from the back door. And police chief Mooney immediately thought, okay, this is obviously the axe man that we've been looking for in New Orleans. Um, but apparently the Gretna police had different thoughts on the matter. So they seemed to think that this had been done by the elderly neighbor that had discovered them and his 18-year-old son, Frank. So even though Lorlando, the older father, was like old and in poor health mm -hmm. and that there was no way that Frank would ever fit through that panel that had been chiseled in the door, um, there was no evidence against either one of them, whatever. But police were just like sure of it. They're like, these people obviously did it. So I saw one source that said that according to a doctor that treated Rosie, during her entire stay at the hospital, she consistently said that she didn't know who attacked her and her family. Um, but they did hear her being questioned one time and an officer was like, who hit you? Was it the Giordano's? It was Frank, wasn't it? Like, why? Why are you doing that? Yeah, that's what I mean by like, I don't understand why people do that. So like, I understand why officers question them. Right, so it's still like hospital. fresh in their mind. Well, not just that, but there's a chance that that's your, I mean, she could have been the only one that really saw. Right. It was, and she could die. Like, right. She was in the hospital. She wasn't doing well. She could. Yeah, that was a possibility. 
I mean, so I get it, but like that, that shit don't coerce. Don't, yeah, don't exactly. Don't coerce pe- people to, to like right. say what you want to say. So, I mean, clearly you've already been putting the wrong people up in jail. <laughs> right. Right. So why, why would they think it was the Jordanos? You ask, do you, do you ask that? I, I didn't ask, but <laughs> you say you asked. I was like, oh, okay. So now you're asking. <laughs> I supposed to ask that? Hey, why was it? <laughs> Let me tell you why. So <laughs> the Giordano's also happened to be grocers because apparently everyone that was an Italian immigrant in New Orleans was a grocer at that time. Oh, I guess it was competition. So they were business competitors and they had all recently gone to court over a business dispute. So when Rosie was finally well enough to be released from the hospital, the Gretna police arrested her as a material witness and held her in jail um, until she signed an affidavit implicating her neighbors, which is complete bullshit. So, well, that's completely illegal now. (laughs) So the Giordanos were then arrested and put on trial for murder. And after a week long trial, the two of them were both found guilty. So Lorlando, the 69-year-old father, was sentenced to life in prison, and Frank was to be hanged, the 18-year-old son. Um, this put a huge strain on Rosie and Charles's marriage because he was like, no, you're lying. You know they're innocent. Like, you know it wasn't them. Um, and after the trial and the verdict, he just couldn't, couldn't stand anymore, and he actually divorced her. So this poor woman has just had the worst life like her baby was brutally murdered in her arms she suffered major injuries and then was like hounded by police the entire time she was trying to recover in the hospital um then she was arrested and released only when she agreed to lie causing her husband to resent her and divorce her and then she has this guilt from like lying and sentencing these innocent men to like life in prison and death (laughs) so she just can't catch a break it seemed um nine months after the trial she retracted her testimony so she signed another affidavit saying that she had been pressured into saying th- that the Giordanos had attacked them and she never actually got a good look at her attacker. And since her previous claim was the only evidence against them, all charges were dropped and they were both freed. So that's good. Um, <laughs> this is the weird part that you probably remember. So <laughs> the Corte Migli attack happened on March 10th. So four days after this, the local newspaper received a letter <laughs> from someone who claimed to be the axe man of new orleans remember i remember that? this yes so it's an extremely interesting letter and i'm gonna read it to you <laughs> I, oh god you have okay i have the letter it's a little long but i feel like you need to hear all of it to get like you the full do. effect <laughs> i remember this letter so imagine you pick up your local newspaper that morning and you read this so it starts with hottest hell march 13th 1919 esteemed mortal of new orleans the axe man like he's so weird esteemed mortal esteemed mortal they have never caught me and they never will they have never seen me for i'm invisible even as the ether that surrounds your health your health your earth i can't read i am not a human being but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hill i am what you new orleans new orleans new orleans and your foolish police call the axe man when I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. 
I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe be smeared with blood and brains of he who I'm sent below to keep me company. It's very weird. Um, if you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I'm a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way that they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc., whoever that is. <laughs> um, but tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me as they have in the past. They're wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orlean, or, Orleanians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens and the worst, for I am in a close relationship with the angel of death. <laughs> this is where it gets weird. Er. Okay. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> er. Already weird. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, it's got that in parentheses, earthly time, as opposed to other times. Apparently you're an alien. <laughs> At 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I am going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I am very fond of jazz music. <laughs> and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I've just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well then, so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it out that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the ax. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse. Hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been am and will be the worst spirit that has ever existed in fact or realm of fancy signed the axeman <laughs> yes that's the part i remember because then everybody freaks out goes and puts on jazz music <laughs> and now you just make it to where your home is loud and nobody hears you <laughs> right so he really likes jazz um <laughs> <laughs> yes what kind of music do you listen to <laughs> So apparently if he was to walk by your house and you weren't playing jazz music at 12.15 on March 19th, he was going to become so angry that he would murder you. <laughs> um, and by the way, that is a school night. Why did it have to be on a Tuesday? Like, that's just rude. <laughs> Love's going up on a Tuesday. <laughs> so on that night, like you said, every dance hall was completely filled to capacity. Profes professional and amateur jazz bands were all booked provisional so they were all booked and played at parties at hundreds of houses that night and guess what there were no murders <laughs> just a fun jazz filled night <laughs> so that's that was different <laughs> um after that everything was quiet from the axeman for a few months but then august 10th 1919 another grocer named steve voca was attacked so he was asleep in his bedroom and woke up to see a dark figure standing over him with an axe. He was hit with the axe and lost consciousness. And then when he woke up, he went over to his neighbor, Frank Ganusa's house. 
And then once he got there, he collapsed and he passed out again. So he was taken to a hospital, treated for his injuries, and survived. But like the other victims, he was unable to remember any details from the attack. And nothing was taken from his home. And a panel on his back door had been chiseled away. So clearly the same guy. Um, September 2nd, William Carson possibly escaped an attack by the Axeman. He, like, fired several shots at an intruder who'd broken into his home. And the intruder escaped. So his door had been broken and an axe had been left behind. So they were like, oh man, like it's gotta be the axe man. It's gotta yeah. be him. The Who's very to say that the axe man didn't leave it before. Do what? Who's to say the axe man didn't leave it before the this dude broke in? That's true. But also why would the door be broken? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the very next yeah. night, 19-year-old Sarah Lawman was not so lucky. So neighbors came over to check on her and they did this often because she was like a young woman living alone. So they would just like randomly come over and check on her. Um, Do what? Which is so sweet. It's so sweet. Um, When she didn't answer the door, they like broke in to check on her and they found her unconscious laying on her bed. She had a severe head injury and she was missing several teeth, which which I don't like. It hurts my ears. Um, This time, the intruder had entered through an open window. Why does it hurt your ears? I don't know. I'm so weird. Like, everything like hurts, hurts my ears. Mouth, like a normal person. Everything, like anything weird like that, it hurts my ears. Like anything. I don't know. Any kind of, like, gruesome injury makes my ears physically hurt. It doesn't make sense. I was like, somebody says she's missing teeth. Most people are like, oh, that hurts my mouth. No. Like, oh, my ears. My ears hurt. My ears, they're in pain right now. It's fine. My ears still hurts. <laughs> like, come on. I can't explain it. It just happens. <laughs> uh, so this time the intruder had entered through an open window, which was different. But again, a bloody axe was found in the yard. So I guess maybe she just like left her window open. He was like, sweet, I don't have to fucking chisel this door panel away. Yes, finally. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, she, yeah. So she made a full recovery, but she couldn't remember any details from the attack. So that was not helpful. But she recovered, so that was good. That is good. Um, the last attack happened on October 27th, 1919. It was another grocer named Mike Pepitone, um, and he was the final victim. So his wife woke up to a loud noise coming from Mike's bedroom. Apparently, they slept in separate rooms. Okay. And I mean, that doesn't really sound like the worst idea to me. Like, <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> squeezed at night between my giant husband and my giant dog. So, like, I could use some, I say, some sleep I mean, space. <laughs> I mean, I have a California king bed and <laughs> i don't feel like it's a california king but right. <laughs> if you get I, what could, I'm I could use my own special sleep space okay <laughs> also, i wouldn't have to hear snoring <laughs> oh my god the snoring so, <laughs> so she hears a noise she gets up she gets to his bedroom door and like just as she gets to the to his door, she sees what she describes as a very large man with an axe fleeing the scene. So she was mortified to find that Mike had been struck in the head with the axe and killed. And it was like a super gruesome scene, like blood spatter covered the majority of the room, including a painting they had on the wall of the Virgin Mary. 
like a lot of articles kept including that. And I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> okay, now that makes me cringe just because I'm like <laughs> I was like, that's not okay. I feel um, like I feel like I feel like the the people that were like releasing the newspapers or whatever, come on now. That's right. not right. That's that's not necessary to put in the article. Um <laughs> So Mike's murder had left Miss Pepitone widowed and having to care for their six children by herself, which might be why they have separate rooms because she was like, stay off of me. There's enough children. (laughs) 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 There's enough of them. Um, She was unable to describe any real details or characteristics of the attacker at all. Like it all happened real fast. and that was the last known murder of the alleged axe man. Like he was never caught or like heard from again. There was no more attacks that matched his whatever. So no more axes, no more anything. It just yes. stopped. So I'm gonna get into a couple of theories that I saw about him. Okay. Um, some of them are real racist. <laughs> so warning <laughs> for that. Um, so like I said before, most of the victims were Italian immigrants. Mm-hmm. And in the early 20th century, there was a big need for like a cheap workforce in Louisiana. So there was a huge influx of Sicilians that moved into the state for this. Um, by 1900, New Orleans had the largest Italian community in the South, having about 20,000 immigrants just in New Orleans. Um, they would begin working on like sugarcane and cotton plantations when they first got there. And then after a few years of working there and saving up money, they would leave this work to start their own businesses. And um, many Italian immigrants began corner store grocery businesses. So I guess that's why there were so many Italian grocers. Um, By 1900, 19% of all the corner grocery stores were Italian owned. And by 1920, they ran fully half of all the grocers in the city of New Orleans. So that was like a big increase in like 20 years. Um, despite their success, there were several unpleasant stereotypes that clung to the Italian immigrants. Um, Sicilians were known for their distrust in authorities and would rather settle disputes the old-fashioned Sicilian way, the vendetta, also known as like a blood feud. They're like, they're like, we don't need the police. We can take care of our own problems. Blood feud. Um, (laughs) Blood so there, there was many <laughs> blood feud. There was many shootings and knife fights that happened on Decatur Street in the French Quarter, and there were so many that it was actually given the nickname Vendetta Alley. So that oh. was a thing. <laughs> yeah, that. um, that's, that's actually new. That's I didn't know that. <laughs> fun, fun fact, except not fun so fact. fun because it's a gruesome fun fact. Um, <laughs> yeah. So criminal Italian gangs had become pretty common. In the area and this led some to believe that the Axeman murders were actually committed by an Italian mafia type situation. Um, some thought that these grocers would like get into a bad business deal with this mafia and then when things didn't go right they'd be attacked or murdered or whatever. Some people disagree with this theory because they say if they were mafia related attacks there wouldn't be any survivors and the Axeman left like six survivors. Yeah I kind of agree with that one yeah. too. That's what I was going to say. I agree with that. Because like when I think mafia hit, I don't think of so many failed hits or whatever. Yeah. Um, then there was the whole like weird ass jazz letter. There's a few theories about that. 
Um, there's a theory that the Axeman was getting revenge on Italians because African-American jazz musicians weren't getting the credit that they deserved for jazz music. I've heard that theory before. Right. So the first like quote jazz recording was in 1917 in New Orleans and it was by a band called the original Dixieland Jazz. And this band was led by an Italian immigrant named Nick LaRocca. So this was very controversial because some say that Nick LaRocca was like the inventor of jazz. And then some say that they basically plagiarized and straight up stole music from African-American musicians that were all around New Orleans at the time. So some people think that like he was like getting revenge for this. Okay. Um, Others say that maybe he was upset because the red light district in New Orleans had been shut down in 1917. And <laughs> all the like gambling halls and brothels and clubs in that area were like always playing jazz music. And like, he's very fond of jazz. <laughs> like that's kind of out there, but okay. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of reaching. <laughs> right. We just reach it for straws now, y'all. Um <laughs> So Miriam Davis, an author who wrote The Axeman of New Orleans, A True Story, she has her own theory about this letter. So she doesn't think that the letter was written by the Axeman at all. She no. thinks, no. So she thinks that he was not a well-educated person. Like he seemed more like a criminal burglar type. And whoever wrote that letter was clearly well-educated. Um, she thinks that the letter could have been from John Joseph Davila, he was a jazz musician at that time, and right after the letter was published in the newspaper, he came out with a song called The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz, Don't Scare Me, Papa, like directly after the letter came out, <laughs> and like he made a ton of money off that song. Like the night that everybody was supposed to play jazz, like that day he was like on the street selling the music for that song to people. He's like, I'm going to write this letter. <laughs> right and like he and make <laughs> right so that's that's kind of suspicious last coincidental <laughs> i'm not gonna write this letter i'm gonna have somebody else write this letter for me and then i'm gonna sell my music <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird especially since where, the can get, where can i get jazz music around here oh that guy over there selling some he just got out here this morning right um I mean, it is really odd that the Axeman never wrote another letter before or after that. There was just that one letter and then yeah, this dude came out with the mysterious Axeman's jazz. <laughs> Definitely different. Definitely different. So I'm almost done, but I am going to end this one with just a little, like a few little spooks and ghosties. So, oh, before I get into that, I got to mention... I can't mention the Axeman of New Orleans without bringing up the fact that he made an appearance in season three of American Horror Story, The Coven, which was one of my favorite seasons. Like, I forgot but, about that. Yeah, I forgot about it too until I was like researching and I was like, oh my God, that totally happened. I totally forgot. It's been so long since I've watched that. Right. Season. I watched that season when it came out and I haven't seen it since, but yeah. I remember that I loved it. And then after I started reading, I was like, oh my God, that didn't. So the episode actually started with the Axeman like typing the famous letter from back then like I, the actual letter I know that. yes like, I, could, the, wow, I totally forgot all about that mm -hmm. now I feel like I need to go back and watch that season yeah, that's like my favorite season it was so good um then it became very 
AHS, they like contacted him in present day with a Ouija board and it was a whole thing. Um, anyways, <laughs> so as you know, I'm sure New Orleans is known for its haunted history. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I really just want to take a trip to New Orleans just to like take all the ghost tours that they have. <laughs> like, I know, that seems so fun. I've seen so many things out there. Mm-hmm. So all, the, all their famous um, haunted hotels that they've got. Yes, I'm about to mention a hotel that's literally called the Haunted Hotel. Like, that's its name. <laughs> so the house where the first victims of the Axeman, Joseph and Catherine Maggio, their house um, where they were murdered is said to still to this day be haunted by their ghosts. So there have been tons of reports of people in the area hearing shrieks and screams coming from that house. And then when people go to investigate, there's like no one around to be found. So that's creepy. Um, Joseph Romano, the uncle that I didn't write his name down, that guy. So yeah. it's said that his spirit haunts the hospital that he died in after he was rushed to the hospital that, that night. So that's fun for that hospital. Um, yes. and then do what? Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. That's not what you want when you're in the hospital to have to be deal with a ghost. Um, and then according to New Orleans legend, the haunted hotel that I was just talking about is said to have been the place where the axe man would hide out in between killing his victims. Like they're like, he totally like stayed here for a while. So while they were remodeling the hotel a few years ago, they supposedly found a bloody axe hidden in a corner of the attic. I remember this story. Uh-huh. And so now they have that axe on display in the lobby. Mm-hmm. I remember that story. Mm-hmm. And it's believed to this day that his ghost remains at the hotel. Um, at the back of the hotel, there's like a courtyard out there. And it's said to have a very dark vibe. So visitors have claimed to see wandering shadows, pools of blood that just like appear and then disappear which like what the fuck um they've captured strange epvs and people's cell phones often just like have a weird electrical problems when you're in that area of the courtyard like it's super weird um and that's that's really it that's the story of the axe man i tried to look for more spooky related stuff because i really like that but i think they don't give you that many details because then why would you go on the tour like i think they, they want you to yeah. go on the tour i know but, but that's it that's what i found that's axe man of new orleans that's a good one i honestly um we kind of mentioned this the axe man in our halloween um i was thinking that we did we just didn't go into detail about about it all or anything but yeah it's we mentioned him a little bit because that's why i was like oh i know this one um because i had gone through part of that too yeah uh, so it's a good, it's a good case. Some of that stuff I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. I knew that there was six victims and I knew that there was some that, um, didn't die, but I didn't know how many. Yeah. And I also didn't know, um, like all of them were <laughs> Italian, Italian immigrants <laughs> that were grocers. <laughs> so yeah. Like somebody really doesn't like grocers. I don't. That was a real good one. So Yeah. There we go. You like mine. Mine when when I record mine, I already have mine done. Um, so we'll we'll do mine next. I just had, like I said, midterms that I had to go back through. Right. And I felt very rushed, but uh, 
when I release my episode, my husband actually picked the, the one that I'm going to go over. So Did he? Oh, your husband picked yours and my boo picked mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did. He's like, have you done this one yet? And I was like, no, I keep going back and forth on it. And he was like, you need to do this one. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Calm your fucking there's been so many that my husband is like oh you guys should do this one and I'm like bitch at least look at the names of our episodes we've already done every single one that you said (laughs) at least my husband doesn't like play like he doesn't know (laughs) right (laughs) he's all like have you done this no okay he was like one time he was like oh I heard this I heard I was like watching TV and they, they were talking about this one guy. Y'all should cover this guy. He was, um, he was in Alaska and I think his name was like Hanson. I'm like Robert Hanson, literally the first episode we did. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Get out of my face. (laughs) Yeah. My husband, um, he mentioned a big one too. When one time and he was like have you guys done this guy yet and I was like yeah it's like our fifth episode <laughs> like I'm so. just saying you don't have to listen just like at least look at the my, names of the say, episodes my, before you suggest something to me <laughs> I was gonna say, my husband's like he'll hype me up on stuff don't get me wrong but um our our serial killer and true crime and paranormal stuff is is just a love that's between me and you yeah. my husband does not like it no. he is a wimp when it comes to it he I'll tell you now, to this day, Dallas says paranormal activity scared the shit out of him. I'm like, you can see That's it. The stupidest <laughs> shit ever. That's <laughs> like Chris with the freaking white noise. It's fucking TV static. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can't do horror stuff. They're not into it. <laughs> not into it. They're so okay. sweet and innocent. It's just so. It's just so sweet. all right well i guess i guess that's it follow our shit (laughs) y'all follow our shit (laughs) i mean like if you wanna (laughs) uh you can see it all on serial hill serial hillick oh (laughs) serialholicsisters.com we're so professional we're so professional we we even got our own website we do it's fancy <laughs> you can go and check it out and you can find our instagram and our facebook page all on that lovely site you can and, you and can. then you know we're still taking listener tales so yeah. anytime you guys want to drop some listener tales whether it's a story you want us you know a case anything uh, you- it, it can be true crime it can be paranormal we we, we like it all it's we like cool. it all we, you can be anonymous if you want. Just tell us, and we won't say your name. We'll just make up some shit. <laughs> like, um, Gerald over here says. <laughs> that was okay. That was no. the name you thought of. <laughs> I don't know. No, I won't even say a name. <laughs> I don't know why that. I was, was like, damn it! What if Gerald it? actually messages us but wants to be anonymous? What? Are we, <laughs> what are we gonna do now? <laughs> No, uh, we won't say names, obviously, but, um, and for those that do want their name said, you know, we'll shout, we'll do a shout out. So holla, holla, holla. 
Okay. Are you ready to be more awkward than we already are? I'm already awkward. Let's be awkward more. Oh my God. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.